Welcome to the Mahabharat podcast. Amongst the 168 paintings sanctioned by the Mughal Emperor Akbar in the 1700s is a painting depicting Garuda, the great eagle carrier of Lord Vishnu. In this painting, Garuda has an elephant and a tortoise in each of his huge talons, as well as having grasped in his beak a large branch of a banyan tree, onto which are hanging numerous sages. The name Garuda means the bearer of great weight, and it is this scene, as well as his bearing Lord Narayan, in which his name is manifest. In Tibetan astrology, there is an animal that depicts each of the elements, earth, wind, water, and fire. Garuda is the animal associated with fire. His character shapes what he represents, and what he represents is depicted in his stories. And so after hearing of the gambling between the two wives of the sage Kashyap, Gadru and Vinata, Vinata, who was the mother of Garuda, was thrown into slavery of her co-wife, Gadru. Suta Goswami has described the births of Garuda and Aruna to their mother, Vinata. The Sutta then continues his dialogue with the sage Shonaka. The great Garuda, that bird of great strength and energy, and capable of going at will to every place, then repaired to his mother's side on the other shore of the great ocean. And there lived Vinata in a condition of affliction, defeated in a wager and put into a perpetual state of slavery at the behest of her sister Gadru. Once, Gadru calling Vinata, who had prostrated herself before the former, addressed her with these words in the presence of her son Garuda. O gentle Vinata, there is in the midst of the ocean, in a remote quarter, a delightful and fair region inhabited by the Nagas. Bear me and my snakes there. At this, Vinata commanded that bird of fair feathers, Garuda, to bear her on his shoulders, the mother of the snakes and her children to that region. And Garuda also, directed by these words, carried on his back the snakes. That ranger of the skies, born of Vinata and of unmatched power, accelerated suddenly upwards in a burst of rapid flight that was second nature to him. And within less than a moment, they flew up close to the sun. In expressing his movement, Garuda was not concerned in the least about those snakes that were on his back. Thereupon, these snakes, scorched by the rays of the sun, began to swoon away in all directions, 
and Gadru seeing her sons become devastated by Garuda, prayed to Indra, speaking the following, I bow to thee, thou lord of the gods, I bow to thee, thou slayer of Ritra, I bow to thee, thou slayer of Namuchi, O thou of a thousand eyes, consort of Sachi, by thy showers be thou the protector of these snakes who are scorched by the sun. O thou best of deities, thou art our great protector. In addition, Gadru offered a multitude of prayers and glorifications to Indra. And then that king of gods, having the best of horses for his bearer, thus adored by Gadru, covered the entire firmament with masses of blue clouds to bring relief to the scorched snakes. And he commanded the clouds, saying, Pour ye your vivifying and blessed drops. And those clouds, luminous with lightning and incessantly roaring against each other in the welkin, poured abundant water, and the sky, in consequence of those wonderful and terribly roaring clouds that were incessantly begetting vast quantities of water, looked as if the end of the age had arrived. And in consequence of the myriads of waves caused in the falling torrents, the deep roar of the clouds, the flashes of lightning, the violence of the wind and the general agitation, the sky looked as if dancing in madness. The sky became overcast and the rays of the sun and the moon totally disappeared in consequence of that incessant downpour. And upon Indra's causing the downpour, the Nagas, the snakes, became exceedingly delighted and the earth was filled with water all around. And the cool, clear water reached even the nether regions. There were countless waves of water all over the earth, and the snakes with their mother Kadru reached in safety the island called Rama Niak. And then the Nagas, drenched by that shower, became exceedingly glad. Born by that bird of fair feathers, they soon arrived at the island. That island had been fixed by the creator of the universe as the abode of the Makaras. There they saw the terrible ocean of salt called the Lavana Samudra. On arriving there with Garuda, the snake saw a beautiful forest, washed by the waters of the sea and resounding with the music of winged choirs. And there were clusters of trees all around laden with various fruits and flowers, and there were also fair mansions all around. 
and many tanks full of lotuses adorned with many lakes of pure water. And it was refreshed with pure incense-breathing breezes, and it was adorned with many a tree that grew only on the hills of Malaya, and seemed by their tallness to reach the very heavens. And there were also various other trees whose flowers were scattered all around by the breezes. And that forest was charming and dear to the celestial Gandharvas and always gave them pleasure. It was full of bees maddened with the honey that they sucked. And the sight of all of this was exceedingly delightful. In consequence of the many things there capable of charming anybody, that forest was fair, delightful and holy. And echoing with the notes of various birds, it delighted greatly the snake sons of Gadru. The snakes then commanded the lord of birds, Garuda, of great energy, saying, Convey us to some other fair island with pure water. Thou ranger of the skies, thou must have seen many fair regions whilst coursing through the air. Garuda, after reflecting for a few moments, asked his mother Vinata, Why, O oh mother, have I to do the bidding of the snakes? Vinata, thus questioned by her noble-minded son, spoke unto him, who invested with every virtue of great energy and great strength, as follows. My dear son, O thou best of birds, from misfortune I have become the slave of my co-wife Gadru. The snakes, through an act of deception, caused me to lose my bet and have made me so. This is how it is. And when his mother, Vinata, told him the reason, Garuda, who was dejected with grief, instead of further inquiring from his mother, addressed directly the snakes. Tell me, ye snakes, by bringing what thing, gaining a knowledge of what thing, or engaging in which act of prowess, may we be freed from this state of bondage unto you? The snakes, hearing Garuda, said, Bring thou the nectar of the gods by force. Then, O bird, shall thou be freed from this slavery. Garuda, thus addressed by the snakes, said this unto his mother, O mother, I shall go to bring the nectar. However, I desire first to eat. Please kindly direct me to my food. And to this, Vinata replied, In a remote region in the midst of the ocean, 
the Nishadas have their fair home. They are a tribe and race of fishermen. Having eaten the thousands of Nishadas that live there, bring thou the nectar, the Amrita. But let not thy heart ever be set on taking the life of a Brahmana. Of all creatures, a Brahmana must not be slain. He is indeed like fire. A Brahmana, when angry, becomes like the sun, like poison or an edged weapon. A Brahmana, it has been said, is the master of all creatures. For these and other reasons, a Brahmana is the adored of the virtuous. O child, he is never to be slain by thee, even in anger. O sinless one, neither Agni, the fire god, nor Surya, the sun god, truly can consume so much as a Brahman of rigid vows when they are angry. Hostility with the Brahmanas, therefore, would not be proper under any circumstance. Garuda then asked, O mother, of what form is a Brahmana, and of what behaviour, and of what prowess? Does he shine like fire, or is he of tranquil mien? Vinata replied, O child, him should thou know as the best amongst Brahmanas, who having entered thy throat, would torture thee as a fish hook, or burn thee as a blazing charcoal. Him shouldst thou know as a good Brahmana who would not be digested in thy stomach. Although Vinatha knew the incomparable strength of her son Garuda, yet she blessed him heartily, for deceived by the snakes, she was very much afflicted by woe, and said unto Garuda, Let Marut, the god of the winds, protect thy wings, and Surya and Soma, thy vertebral regions. Let Agni protect thy head, and the Vasus, thy whole body. I also, O child, engaged in beneficial ceremonies, shall sit here for your welfare. Go then, O child, in safety to accomplish thy purpose. Then Garuda, having heard the words of his mother, stretched his wings and ascended to the skies. In his flight, he raised such a quantity of dust that it spread all over the firmament and sucked up water from amidst the ocean with each flap of his enormous wings. He shook the trees growing on the adjacent mountains as he flew by, and endued with great strength, he swooned down with a great gust unto the Nishada race, hungry and like another Yamaraj, the god of death.
and then that Lord of Birds obstructed the principal thoroughfares of the town of the Nishadas by his mouth, increasing its orifice at will. And the Nishadas began to fly in great haste in the direction of the open mouth of the great serpent eater. And as birds in great affliction ascend by thousands into the skies, when the tree in a forest is shaken by the winds, so those Nishadas, blinded by the dust raised by the storm, entered the wide extending cleft of Garuda's mouth, which was open to receive them. And then the hungry lord of all rangers of the skies, that oppressor of enemies, endued with great strength, and moving with the greatest celerity to achieve his end, closed his mouth, killing innumerable Nishadas. Meanwhile, a certain Brahmana, along with his wife, had entered the throat of that ranger of the skies. The former began to burn the bird's throat like a piece of flaming charcoal. And Garuda then addressed him, saying, O best of Brahmanas, come out soon from my mouth, which I will open for thee. A Brahmana must never be slain by me, although he may even be engaged in sinful practices. The Brahmana then replied, O Garuda, let this woman, who is not a Brahmana, but of the Nishada caste, who is my wife, let her come out with me. And Garuda replied, Taking her with thee, come out soon and save thyself, since thou hast not been yet digested by the heat of my stomach. And then that Brahmana, accompanied by his wife, came out, and praising Garuda, who fleet as the mind, stretching his wings, ascended to the skies once again. After travelling some distance, in his flight, Garuda, with his excellent vision from far up in the skies, saw his father, the great sage Kashyap, and hailed by Kashyap, he spent some time in his hermitage. His father, in affection, inquired of his dear son, O oh, my dearest child, is all well with thee? Dost thou get sufficient food every day? Is there food in plenty for thee in this world of men? And Garuda replied, My mother is ever well, and so is my brother, and so am I. But father, I do not always obtain plenty of food, for which my peace is incomplete. I am sent by the snakes 
to fetch the excellent nectar, the Amrita. Indeed, I shall fetch it today for emancipating my mother from her bondage. My mother has commanded me, saying, Eat thou the Nishadas, and I have eaten them by the thousands, but my hunger is still not yet appeased. Therefore, O worshipable Father, point out to me some other food, by eating which I may be strong enough to bring away the nectar from the gods by force. Thou should, O Father, indicate some food wherewith I may appease my hunger and my thirst. To this, Gashyap Muni replied, This lake that thou sees is sacred. It has been heard of even in the heavens. There is an elephant with face downwards who continually draggeth a tortoise, his elder brother. I shall speak to you in detail of their hostility in a former life. Just listen as I tell you why they are here. There was of old a great sage of the name Vipavasu. He was exceedingly wrathful and had a younger brother of the name Supritika. Supritika was always averse to keeping his wealth jointly with his brother Vipavasu and would always speak of partition and independence. After some time, his brother Vipavasu told Supritika, It is from great foolishness that persons blinded by love of wealth always desire to make a partition of their patrimony. After effecting a partition, they fight with each other, deluded by wealth. Then again, enemies in the guise of friends cause estrangements between ignorant and selfish men. After they have become separated in wealth and pointing out faults, confirm their quarrels so that they soon fall one by one. Absolute ruin very soon takes over the separated. For these reasons, the wise never speak approvingly of partition amongst brothers, who when divided do not regard the most authoritative scriptures and live always in fear of one another. But as thou, Supritika, without regarding my advice, impelled by desire of separation, always wishest to make an arrangement about your property, thou shalt become an elephant. Supritika, thus cursed, then spoke to Vibhavasu, Thou also shalt become a tortoise, moving in the midst of the waters. From each other's curse have become an elephant and a tortoise respectfully. And thus, on account of wealth, those two fools, Supritika and Vipavasu, from each other's curse have become an elephant and a tortoise respectively. 
Owing to their wrath, they have both become such inferior animals, and they are engaged in hostilities with each other, proud of their excessive strength and the weight of their bodies. And in this lake, those two beings of huge bodies are engaged in acts according to their former hostilities. Look here, one amongst them, the handsome elephant of huge body, is even now approaching. Hearing his roar, the tortoise, also of huge body, living within the waters, agitating the lake violently, and seeing him, the elephant, curling his trunk, rusheth into the waters. O Garuda, eat thou up both of them that are madly engaged in the encounter and bent upon slaying one another, and then accomplish the task that thou desirest. Eating that fierce elephant, which looketh like a huge mountain, and resembleth a mass of dark clouds, bring thou the nectar. And having said so unto Garuda, his father, the sage Gashyap, blessed him. Blessed be thou when thou art in combat with the gods. Let water pitchers filled to the brim, brahmanas, kine, and other auspicious objects bless thee, thou oviparous one. And O thou of great strength, when thou art engaged with the gods in combat, let the ricks, the yajus, the samas, the sacred sacrificial butter, all of the mysteries of the Upanishads constitute thy strength. Garuda thus addressed by his father, vended to the side of that lake, and he saw that expanse of clear water with birds of various kinds all around. And remembering the words of his father, that ranger of the skies, possessed of great swiftness of motion, seized the elephant and the tortoise, one in each claw, and that bird then soared high into the air. Garuda then came upon a sacred place called Alamva and saw many divine trees and struck by the wind raised by his wings, those trees began to shake with fear and those divine trees having golden bows feared that they would break and the ranger of the skies seeing that those trees, capable of granting every wish, were quaking with fear, went to the other trees of incomparable appearance. And those gigantic trees were adorned with fruits of gold and silver, and branches of precious gems, and they were washed with the water of the sea. And there was a large banyan amongst them, 
which had grown into gigantic proportions, that spoke unto the Lord of Birds, coursing towards it with the fleetness of the mind. Sit thou, O Garuda, on this large branch of mine, extending a hundred yojanas, and eat the elephant and the tortoise. When that best of birds, of great swiftness and of body resembling a mountain, quickly alighted upon a bow of that banyan tree, it shook and broke. Casting his eyes around in wonder, he saw numerous Valakilya sages hanging from the tree with their heads downwards and engaged in ascetic penances. Reflecting that if the bow fell down, the sages would be slain, the mighty one held the elephant and the tortoise still more firmly with his claws. And from fear of slaying the sages and desire of saving them, he bought the bow in his beaks and rose again on his wings. The great sages were struck with wonder at the sight of that act of his, which had gone beyond even the power of the gods, and gave that mighty bird a name. And the sages said, As this ranger of the skies rises on its wings, bearing a heavy burden, let this foremost of birds, having snakes for his food, be called Garuda, meaning the bearer of heavy weight. And shaking the mountains by his wings, Garuda leisurely coursed through the skies, and as he soared with the elephant and the tortoise still in his claws, Garuda beheld various regions underneath, desiring as he did to save the Valakilya sages he saw not a spot whereon to sit. At last, he went to the foremost of mountains called the Gandhamadana. There Garuda looking fierce and like the god of death himself. He saw once again his father, Kashyap, engaged in ascetic devotions. The illustrious Kashyap, seeing Garuda approach and knowing also Garuda's motive, spoke unto him these words, O child, do not commit a rash act, for then thou wouldst have to suffer pain. The Valakilya sages, supporting themselves by drinking the rays of the sun, might, if angry, blast thee. Gushup then propitiated, for the sake of his son, the Valakilyas of exceedingly good fortune, and whose sins had been destroyed by their ascetic penances, and said to the sages, Yea, whose wealth is asceticism, the essay of Garuda is for the good of all creatures. The task is great, 
that he is striving to accomplish. It behoveth you to accord him your permission. Those ascetics, thus addressed by the illustrious Gushup, abandoned that bow and went to the sacred mountain of Himavat for the purpose of their ascetic penances. After those sages had gone away, the son of Vinata, with voice obstructed by the bow in his beak, asked his father Gushup, O illustrious one, where shall I, O father, throw this arm of the tree? O illustrious one, indicate to me some region without human beings. And Gushup spoke of a mountain without human beings, with caves and dales, always covered with snow and incapable of approach by ordinary creatures, even in thought. And the great bird, bearing the branch, the elephant, and the tortoise, proceeded with great speed towards that mountain. Garuda, the lord of birds, then flew away for hundreds of thousands of yojanas in the shortest time. And going according to the directions of his father, to that mountain, almost in a moment, that ranger of the skies let the gigantic bowl fall with a resounding noise. After Garuda had sought the fighting elephant and tortoise, and borne away with him also the sages on the banyan tree, which he had thrown down onto the mountain peak advised by his father, the great Gushup. Garuda perching on the summit of that mountain ate both the elephant and the tortoise, and rose on his wings with great speed from the top of the mountain. And so this is how the great Garuda first realized his name through his acts as the bearer of great weight.